knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, with your host, Rob Snow White. For downloading my podcast my name is still rob snow white and that is still my real last name a couple weeks ago i just had this desire to go trout fish i wanted to get out of town drive some one lane roads go find some trout see some trout rising and i thought where could i go within a couple hours of here maybe do an overnight trip and fish for trout so you got to think of where i live it's tidal section kind of lowland not very high above elevation, the water's warm, it's mostly freestones, there's no trout here. So I gotta drive somewhere. And I decided let's do Beaver Creek. And I'd been driving Route 70 West past Frederick for years. And as all anglers do, whether you're a fly, spin, bait, whatever, you look down at water when you go over a bridge or have higher ground, you can see down below you. And there's this beautiful meandering limestone stream that I've been watching for years. It basically looked like Mossy Creek just along Route 70. Meandering, very green, didn't matter what time of year it was, it was always green along the edges. Giant old dead sycamore branches sticking up and old stumps and 
I thought this was the Beaver Creek that I've been reading about in the Washington Post with Angus Phillips. In 2007, he had an article in the Post with my friend Larry Coburn. But it wasn't the right stream. My first trip to the stream was actually in 2010, and it was not that stream. It's one that is along 70, but not as visible. This was the first weekend of October, it was 2010, and I was with Project Healing Waters from Walter Reed. This is before the transition. This was the old Walter Reed along Rock Creek Park, Washington, D.C. And there were some pretty beat up dudes who had seen a lot and been through a lot, and we'd been working every Wednesday in the afternoons outside on the lawn to get them casting, rehabilitated, being able to walk and cast, all sorts of things to leading up to this day. And I was a young guy and the volunteers that met us there from the local area, there was a gentleman named Dell, I remember him. And a lot of them thought I was a veteran. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a volunteer like you. So I'm here to you know provide flies, tie things on, give advice. And Dell and I sat back under the big overhanging trees in the shade. It was a really hot first weekend of October and watched everyone fish. And then there was a big barbecued lunch. And I remember that the water was slow and deep where we were with not a lot of structure, but the fish were hanging out there because there was a pellet machine. It looked really odd. It was this metal box along the stream. And at some point it went off and what was perfectly calm frog water turned into blitzing browns and rainbows in the upper 20 inch range. And then it stopped and the water went calm again as if nothing happened. So I was remembering there's huge fish down in there. And then further down along this mill, there's all sorts of structure where we were sight casting and picking out trout on streamers. And anything you had that looked like a pellet slapped hard enough would work. So it was beetle flies basically is what we were throwing. And then we went to lunch and it was catered by famous Dave's. And everyone was just hydrating. It was probably 90-something degrees out. It was a really hot summer. And everyone, I should say, all the soldiers from Walter Reed were really upset because it was brisket. And apparently they ate brisket every day in Iraq. So I had more brisket than I knew what to do with. And it was a fantastic day. Good camaraderie. It was my first experience at Beaver Creek. And you hear about it all the time. My clients, Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders, Northern Virginia Chapter, Trout Unlimited. People asking me, where should I go trout fishing for the day? And even when I worked at the local fly shops about seven years ago, this was one of the top three to four streams a DC angler was going to go fish. I just never really paid much attention to it. I've been spending my time guiding and chasing snakeheads, carp, and, and shad in a spring, basically, is what I do. So I decided I was going to go up there. And what are you going to do? You, you contact your friend Ryan at Orvis Tyson's because he goes there a lot. And you ask him for information. So you're going to hear some of his advice in a couple of minutes. I checked out Fish Brain. I checked out Tidal Potomac Fly Rotters search function. Uh, PA Fly Fish. And you can even go to Casting Across, which has some information. It's a podcast on the same network that I'm on, Waypoint TV. We used to work together at Orvis. And later on in the podcast, his podcast has information on what I'm going to talk about. I also suggest you visit switchfisher.com for information and maps. So where is 
Beaver Creek located? It's located southwest of Hagerstown, Maryland, in Washington County. Beaver Creek is located south of Interstate 70. You just thought I was going to walk along the stream and record things and put that together. No. You're going to find more information in this podcast than you ever thought you would know about these locations. The Hagerstown Valley sits atop miles of underground limestone caverns, which support Maryland's largest spring creek, Beaver Creek, which rises up with cool water below South Mountain in Washington County. There's a catch and release stretch, and it begins below the Albert Powell Fish Hatchery in Interstate 70. Interstate 70 is where you get off, and you'll see there's a sign for Black Rock Road, even on I-70. The section down to Route 40 has a healthy, naturally reproducing stream population of brown trout. Below Route 40, the water becomes more of a freestone stream with stocked rainbow trout. So you can go to Beaver Creek and actually get two different types of fishing in in one body of water. And we're going to learn about those now. I made it to Beaver Creek. I'm in a gravel parking spot. Now I'm following my instructions to the river. The sign says, fly fisher foot trail, no vehicles, no trespassing off. The sunrise was absolutely stunning. I wish I had pulled over and taken some pictures. It's about 7.34 right now. It's not too cold out. I'm assuming this long walk is going to warm me up. It's 38 degrees and there's a line of ice and rain just west of here. Feels like 35, humidity 67. It's gonna get windy later, so I'm not sure how long I'm gonna be out here. My original plan is to fish all day and if the fishing's good, I'm gonna spend the night in the car out here. Looks like I've got this stretch to myself. Maybe I'll come back if it's worth it. If not, I'm gonna head home and watch some of the football playoffs to determine who's going to be in this year's Super Bowl. It's dreary. There's a lot of corn. It's been cut down. There's a couple of birds in the trees. Not much out here. I'm definitely getting my steps in right now. Angus Phillips wrote in the Washington Post, and there are several Washington Post stories by Angus Phillips on Beaver Creek, that a little over 10 years ago, this creek, part of the Potomac watershed, was a weed-choked wonder, a perfect spring run alive, with aquatic vegetation which supported a happily reproducing trout population. It looked like the Latorte, said a fly fisherman who knew it well then. He was invoking the name of one of Pennsylvania's rich, revered limestone trout streams. Before 1970, Beaver Creek in the summer was a meandering channel winding its way through emerald vegetation. In the aquatic weeds lurked big trout, which enjoyed the cover, and their tiny offspring, which fed on the smorgasbord of life the vegetation shrouded. Then the weeds disappeared. Now Beaver Creek is just another ditch in the foothills. The state stocking truck comes every spring and fills the creek with hatchery trout. The people still get up before dawn on opening day and jerk trout out. Further about this stream is that the water temperature does not limit trout survivability. Beaver Creek runs through farmland with minimal drop in elevations. There's no violent rapids or plunge pools to add sparkle. 
and character to the creek. It has been written, Instead, it meanders adjacent to open fields, shaded by thick, tall trees that line both banks. The stream bed is a mix of rocks and silt, with the silt becoming more prevalent further downstream. Beaver Creek is primarily spring-fed. Beaver Creek receives water from the second largest natural spring in Maryland. The supply of groundwater provides steady cold temperatures throughout the year. The water chemistry of a spring creek like this is going to be slightly alkaline and high in calcium carbonate. The calcium is normally a limiting resource for benthic aquatic insects, macroinvertebrates. However, in places like this, when it's found in high concentrations, the resulting benthic aquatic insect community is generally low in diversity, but extremely high in density. And the unique combination of cold temperature conditions and high benthic insect masses creates ideal conditions which produce bugs throughout the year. This is a hatch matching joint when it goes right. Brown trout from the Gunpowder River were originally stocked into Beaver Creek from 02 to 05, following restoration activities in the stream. As Angus wrote, the stream was in pretty bad shape in the 70s. It was mostly due to sedimentation, deforestation, and contamination from chemical sprays in, on nearby farms. And then some of you that were around here in 1996 may also remember the flood event. Uh, we got a huge snowstorm. We got a lot of snowstorms that year. Spring of 96. started off with the blizzard of 96 right at the beginning of January. And then I remember going to Mary Washington College, and it snowed a lot down there, and which is odd because it's Fredericksburg. It's further south. We had knee-deep snow on a Friday night, and it was cold because it had been snowing for weeks. And then a thunderstorm came through with a warm front, and the rain melted all the snow. So you went to sleep in knee-deep snow, and you wake up to just grass on the ground. But all that rain and all that snow melt caused massive flooding. The Rappahannock was in torrents. My friend Adam was at JMU, and when all the snow melted in the mountains, all the snow melt went down into this one valley spot where his car was parked. There was 10 plus feet of water there, and his car was destroyed. But also, a lot of trout were wiped out. And you can read more in the Washington Post if you have the link about Angus Phillips talking about you know the hundreds of fish, hundreds of thousands of fish that were killed and washed away in that stream. Since the modern current restoration of the stream and stocking starting at 02 to 05, there are now natural reproducing brown trout in the stream. And there are hatchery raised rainbow trout that are stocked in the stream during spring and fall. And if the habitat conditions are right, you're going to find these fish where they're supposed to be. However, this winter, it's dry and warm, and there's not a lot of water. So where the fish were supposed to be, they really weren't. It's 7.48 in the morning. I'm down here on the stream, and it is extremely slow moving. I was told it was going to be frog water, and that's correct. There's nothing coming off. And I don't see any bugs. I don't see any signs of fish. There's some ravens around, some woodpeckers, maybe some chickadees and it's dark out. I don't know if I'll see anything through this water today. It's very reminiscent of my day on the Cotswolds with Andy Gray 
where it was overcast and shallow and you couldn't really see anything. So I'm going to just walk this stream and look for structure. I put on the regular brass cone head bacon fly instead of something with a tungsten cone on it because I fear this water is going to make a big splash when the fly lands. So I'm going to go downstream. It's kind of hard to tell even which direction the water's going. But I'm going to go downstream and just look for structure and ideally look for a rising trout. I really want to see a trout rising to eat a bug today. That might be my goal. I have no intentions of really catching a fish. That's just the icing on the cake for me. But I want to have some fun, observe, learn a new spot, and just have a nice day out here. You can faintly hear the traffic off of I-70 in the distance. Other than that, it's just the sound of birds. It's good to get out of the city every once in a while. There's a lot of history around Beaver Creek. And when I get my friend William from Shepherdstown on, he can tell us all sorts more. But the town was founded in 1766. Beaver Creek Battlefield was 7th, 8th, July, 1863. And that was following the Battle of Gettysburg during the retreat of the Army of Northern Virginia toward Falling Water in Williamsport. And I am in Northern Virginia, and there was the Army here. I remember they stayed, plus all the Northerners stayed in this area during the Civil War. After the Civil War, and then they stocked all the rivers with fish to feed everybody, and that's why we have all these non-invasive species in my local water. Uh, Beaver Creek is 518 feet above sea level. It's once the site of intense fighting between Confederate and Federal forces under the commands of General J.E.B. Stewart and General John Buford, known as the Battle of Beaver Creek, Maryland, and that was July 7th, and that was between Boonesboro and Funkstown. 1863. Beaver Creek is a tributary to Antietam Creek and it's one of the largest limestone streams in Maryland. Remember, it's got the second largest bubbler coming out of it. Originating as a freestone stream on the west slope of the mountain, the majority of the flow during the summer months is influenced by numerous springs in the Hagerstown Valley. That largest spring does 11,356 liters per minute, influencing Beaver Creek water supply for the Albert Powell Trout Hatchery. Upstream of the spring's influence, Beaver Creek is considered a warm water stream, and it flows underground much of the year due to local karst geology. Karst, what is that? K-A-R-S-T. Karst is topography formed from the dissolution of soluble rocks such as limestone, dolomite, and gypsum, characterized by underground drainage systems with sinkholes and caves. It's also been documented for more weathering-resistant rocks, such as quartzite, given the right conditions. Beaver Creek drains approximately 32 square miles of farmland, forests, and residential areas in eastern Washington County, Maryland. So when you put all those chemicals on all those streams for 32 square miles, it all goes into this one small stream. Beaver Creek's headwaters are on South Mountain, and it flows southwest to its confluence with Antietam Creek at Devil's Backbone Park near Boonesboro. The main stem of Beaver Creek is approximately 16 miles long, though I think I only fished maybe a mile of water. The watershed contains about 60 miles of streams, and it is broken down into four sub-watersheds. Upper Beaver Creek, 
Black Rock Tributary, Little Beaver Creek Trib, and Lower Beaver Creek. Smithsburg is the largest municipality within the watershed, while Boonesboro and Mount Etna have jurisdiction over small portions of the watershed. Based on 2002 land cover data, almost 40% of that land used within the watershed is agricultural, while 40% is forest and 16% is residential. So that's a lot of chemicals and residential and farm stuff running into this water. The total watershed imperviousness is approximately 5%. The Hagerstown Valley's karst geology underlines much of this watershed. Beaver Creek is one of the largest karst streams in Maryland and as a trip to Antietam is listed as key wildlife habitat area for limestone streams, caves, and springs by the Maryland DNR Wildlife and Heritage Services. Beaver Creek is classified by the Maryland Department of the Environment, MDE, as a use IIIP non-tidal cold water and public water supply. It is an important regional fishery, hosting rainbows and naturally reproducing brown, and the checkered sculpin and the pearl dace are both found in Beaver Creek. You want to match that hatch? I'm going to say it again. Checkered sculpin and pearl dace. The two fish species have highly restricted state distributions, but have been found in relatively high numbers during Maryland's biological stream survey samples. The checkered sculpin is a highly rare species restricted to cold, spring-fed, moderate, and high gradient streams. So if there are some in there and it relies on those conditions, that watershed must be improving. I'm back on the bench where I started. I went downstream as far as I think I was allowed to go and really no current at all. You couldn't tell if the water was going upstream or downstream. No hiding places for a fish. I don't think a fish would want to be hanging out in this water unless it was cruising through or just being lazy and not eating. I don't know. This is not the kind of water I'm used to fishing for trout. It's slow and structureless. The really nice looking water, of course, was where they had posted signs. So I'm going to sit here, drink my chocolate and shore for breakfast. And then we start moving upstream. Still going to use the streamer because there's nothing coming off. I don't see bugs in the air. I don't see them on the water. I don't see anything on the tree branches. Haven't found a spider web yet. Not going to flip over rocks because A, I don't want to get my hands wet and B, just because there's a bug underneath a rock does not correlate in any way to what a trout is actually eating at that moment. I did find a really cool buck skeleton and it had some huge antlers on it, but the whole skull was still attached. So all I got was a cool picture of it. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I've warmed up a little bit. I'm not ready to take off my gloves yet, but I'm definitely having trouble seeing anything in and through the water. It's, it was a beautiful, clear sky with the sunrise, and now it's just completely overcast. And I don't have a baseball hat on me. I had my cowboy hat, but I left that in the car. I'm not walking back up there. 
So anything I can do to shade my eyes and give me a little bit better perspective, I will take. But as for now, I'm not seeing anything promising. Nothing that at the moment is going to keep me from spending the night here. But it really does feel like a chalk stream in the woods of England. There's no badgers. There's no pheasants. But there's crows and squirrels. And I'm going to keep walking because I got all day to figure this stream out. And at some point, I think I'm going to stop in the shop. There's nothing really out here to do for lunch except for sheets. I'm not a big fan of sheets anymore. But I may have to pop in there for a hot drink to warm me up. That's it for now. It's, um... Wow, it's only 8.20 in the morning. It's still pretty early. As this is a fishing podcast, let's talk about fishing here. Think of this as your classic meandering, limestone, chalk-looking pasture stream in farmland. It's tree-lined. If you're going to fly above it any time of the year, you're going to see green moving through the fields. It's flat to rolling land. The water has occasional rocks, gravel, couple of deep holes. You want to look for the turns and bends where water's been carved and deposited. You want to look for structure. It's going to have to be a drop of elevation, something falls in the river, or beaver activity, or there's a big rock. Something to break up the water, cause it to go deep and scour out that soft bottom. Soft, squishy, mushy. You don't want to step in this water. You can do this all, this stream, in wellies. It's alkaline. It's got a constant temperature. You can come out here on a hot day and fish like I did with healing waters. Come out here on a cold day to fish like I did this day. Lots of submerged aquatic vegetation. If you can find it and you want to stick your hand in, you can pull it out and find all the mayflies, caddisflies, and crest bugs and scuds, annelids, other things that fish are going to be feeding on in there. There's very few deep holes, so you're going to have to work and look for them. When I found that frog water, which is where the fish were probably hanging out, I couldn't tell because it was dark. This is the kind of water you want to approach on your tippy toes, crawling. The moment you are within 100 to 200 steps of that section, those fish know you're coming. They feel vibrations that you, when you are doing your quietest stalking, they can feel that. Watch what happened to those birds on the video camera before the earthquake in Turkey. Animals know you're coming. I should have went there and just sat down and not done anything but meditate or breathe for 30 minutes and then fished. But no, I'm a fast walking fishing dude. I'm going to walk down, throw my bacon fly, strip, strip, pop, take another step, do that. I beat this water up and I shouldn't have. It's the kind of water where you want to go slow and not make vibrations. There's no real current. There's no sound of rustling water. They know you're there. There's a lot of animal slides, so be careful along the edges. I imagine there's a lot of ticks in this area. Be careful. Don't think there's a whole lot of snakes. And the birds were pretty cool. But that's how I would suggest you approach this stream. And while you're sitting watching, and there's benches, which I loved throughout this whole stretch, that you can sit and watch and wait for something to happen. If you're not in a rush, do that. It's 9 o'clock. You may hear some church bells. 
behind me. Oddly along this stream, there's all these jugs of detergent scattered along the edge of the woods here. It's rather strange. So from above the bridge, it was very fishy. Water sped up. Maybe there was a drop in elevation. There was some human-made structure. The water got a little deeper. There were some limestone rocks in the middle and scattered around and more log jams. So there's plenty of structure. I just couldn't find anything. There were speckles of green here and there of aquatic plants. But no bugs coming off. I can see my car from here. And I didn't see any fish move. And I'm not going to go back and forth, back and forth in the spot looking for fish. I've prospected for them. I did not see them. And therefore, I'm not going to spend any more time. I'm going to go fish my second location. And if that doesn't pan out, I think I might go in blue line in the mountains for a couple hours. As of now, it does not look like I'm going to spend the night here. So I got to walk back uphill and around this cornfield. There's another one of these odd jugs. I don't really understand it. And then I'm going to punish some Gatorade, roll to the next spot, maybe hit up the fly shop here, find lunch, head home. The stream trail was fairly open. There was a lot of overhanging trees. So a nine-foot rod was not the best choice for this stretch. But for throwing a meaty streamer in small pockets, it did help with being able to throw it and having a little bit more aim. At some point, I had to end up cutting my line and my fly off because I was getting caught in all the treetops. It's not my favorite thing to walk around without line through your rod tip because your rod tip can pop off if it gets caught on a tree branch. So I walked up, I walked down, spotted some deer, and that was it. Nothing really exciting, and therefore, it's time to move on got this uphill walk starting to get hot in my waders i'm definitely gonna be putting on a baseball hat or the cowboy hat for the next part probably switch out my glasses to yellow that's it for the nine o'clock check-in be back with you in a bit angus phillips further writes landing an eight pound trout in a small stream never is easy but it's doubly challenging on the sort of tackle at hand a three-weight, seven-and-a-half-foot rod is the whippy kind of thing you might take to the Rapidan River in July to fish for eight-inch brook trout or to a farm pond in May for, try for sunfish. He further writes, the good news is limestone streams such as Beaver Creek are not just productive in winter. They're good all year. When the dog days of July and August roll in with searing heat, chalk streams stay cool enough for trout to thrive, just as they remain warm enough in February. Thanks to the natural spring that feeds them, gushing up to 3,500 gallons of cool water a minute in the limestone in it that fosters insect life. And you know Angus fished there a lot with Larry because it was close to home and fishing with Larry has got to be fun. And all the years I've known Larry, we've never fished together. I think I'm at the end of the downstream stretch up here. It's 9.43 and it's looking closer to... Big hunting creek time. Take off my cowboy hat here and let my, my hair do its thing. I parked, started walking downstream. A lot of people walking dogs in the middle of the road. So I take it this is not a very populated place. Dogs were off the leash. So it appears more people are walking dogs than fishing. And there's a couple nice spots, deep water, narrow spots, good structure, deeper. 
a little bit more of a current holding water I didn't see anything I saw one fish that may have been a chub or a brown it was like orangish and reddish and brownish with copper and I definitely did not see it chase my fly I'm pretty sure it was spooked by the fly there's a couple other chicken finger fish stick sized fish in here and I'm not really seeing the whole 36 inch brown trout shenanigans that I've been hearing about all the monsters not seeing any bugs coming off it's, it's kind of warm right now the gloves are off and I'm probably gonna shed the vest or the down jacket as I came around the bend down here I noticed another guy fishing and we started talking and he's actually caught fish here before he's coming down this way his name's Preston he's actually bought flies off me before maybe he'll come down and want to be on the podcast and he's got a dry fly with a little bead head below it and he claims there are fish in here he's just not seen anything today he said scuds actually work pretty well and i think this is the end of the public stretch so i'm going to go back up fish above my car for a bit and then i think by 10 30 to 11 i'm gonna roll out of here let's see if we can get preston on the podcast he's coming down right now so i'm at a little footbridge the green and orange bench you can hear the birds or some water trickling you see anything it's hard out here i had to put on yellow glasses i uh, i mean i've been here before where i've seen like just like dozens of fish in this little section i've not seen anything anywhere yeah no bugs are coming off i've got hundreds of patterns and flies on me yeah they're not doing me any good you want to be on the podcast sure all right sit down have you listened before uh, 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 very, very rarely. I need to listen more often. All right. So we've got Preston. He is actually from my neighborhood, basically. And you're up here. you got two rods. And what are you yep. going for today? <sighs> Just trying to find anything. <laughs> Usually this is a good spot. You can see it's very clear. Um, usually have some crest bugs down in the green, um, in the, the, the foliage on the water. Um, not seeing much of anything. So I have a crest bug on one of these. Um, and then I have like a little spider and I don't know what this is. What's this little nymph? Little caddis fly. Caddis fly on the bottom. Yeah. Um, but usually you can, you could sight fish here sometimes, but I'm just not seeing anything. Um, and the water's a little bit lower too. So yeah, it's, it's, also, it's always a pretty spot though. It is pretty with this yeah. water trickling through. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous. These people have houses right on a spring creek. I know. I tell you, if I would love to buy a house right next to one of the creek like this. I would cut all my trees down though. I see you are using shorter rods, which... I think I'll use it if I come back here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Got to do like a little, little flicks. Can't do any really big cast in here. Uh, I'm trying to stay out of the water too because they said it's what spawning season, so yeah. I'm not trying to wade too much. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great spot. You know, I've, I've caught stuff with a guide here. Still trying to get my first solo catch here <laughs> in this creek. I just want to have a confirmed trout sighting. I'll <laughs> yeah. be happy with that. You're always, you're pretty much always guaranteed a good trout, trout sighting here. Which is why I'm a little bit surprised. I've done the whole like little loop and you just cut across by across the parking lot there. Um, usually get a good, usually at least sea fish here. So I, you know, if I don't catch anything, at least I see them. Okay. But um, well, I'm gonna start going upstream. Maybe I'll see them from down. Yeah. If on. I just see one trout rising and eat a bug, I'll be happy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What but, time did you get up here? Uh, I got about 8:45. Yeah, it's easy drive. Yeah, it's easy. It's straight. Easy. I mean, it's just right the highway. So yeah. it's like um 28 was oddly busy coming out by Dulles. I don't know if those okay. were people going to the airport. Oh, you came that way. I came with 270. Little midge. And finally a bug. Yeah. 
I just come up 270 to, to um, 70 and just get off right there. And it's like right there, the exit right here. Yeah. It's a great shop, too. The people in there. Have you been in the shop yet? Not yet. I'm going to stop they're, in. They're nice. They're nice folks in there. Yeah, go see if Mike is working. Yeah. Fantastic. I bought my, uh, my vice, um, and, and uh, they, they hooked me up with a nice little tying set at this shop. Fantastic. I put together a little, little fall materials for me uh, and uh, give me a good price for it, too. So, right on. Well, yeah. if you come to Beer Tie next month, we're going to be doing earring flies. Okay. If you got a lady in your life. If not, we'll do regular flies, too. <laughs> you basically use earrings to do it or what? Yeah, I was making uh, intruder earrings last night for my girlfriend. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then, I know you don't want to hear this, but my buddy is a big Cleveland Browns fan. Oh, boo. So he's always wearing brown, orange, and white. And it was his wife's birthday, so I made her orange, black, and white intruder earrings with okay. zonker strips. Okay. She doesn't know that they're the Browns, but it's now she can match him because that's all he wears. Yeah. So as her accessory is him, she'll stand out. Good, good, yeah. good. Yeah, all the flies I tied for today, I, I don't see myself taking any of them out. Again, the wire that gets to the wire is a lot lower. So okay. Higher. I see a lot of beaver activity. Yeah. Well, fits the name of the creek. Yeah. <laughs> fits the name. And then how long are you fishing before you got to head back for the game? Uh, well, I got to head back. I got two things to do this afternoon. I'm going to take my son to the car show in D.C. Right on. Center. Um, so he'll be back around noonish, 1230. So I'll fish around here to this area until like 11. So I'm okay. I was just in that neighborhood right by the convention center yeah. on Friday. And Vo from Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders was crossing the street in front of me. Oh, nice. This, I told my girlfriend, like, I, I bump into people wherever I go, including the stream here. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, right. And then Vo's walking across the street, and I yelled his name out. He came up to the car. It was just weird. Wow, wow. Well, I've been trying to get into this. This is my you know, first few years I've uh, been trying to do it. Um, I've been in Colorado when I go out there for work. Nice. I've gotten to Roaring Forks. Oh, my nice. goodness. Did a guy there. Yeah. Uh, my last time, this last summer, I went there. The guy, that I, the gentleman who uh, taught Brad Pitt to uh, fly fish for River Runs Through It. Fantastic. Um, that was fun. Uh, I took my wife, my wife's in Montreal, Canada. And uh, last summer, we went up to uh, Diablo River in Mount Tremblant. So I talked to her fishing for the first time. Oh, my goodness. She did good. She got two, two, two rainbows. That's awesome. Yeah. It's more than I've caught in a long time. Yeah. No, she had, we had a good guide up there. It's a little, it's a, the waiting in that river is a little rough because it's, uh, it's kind of fast and the rocks are smooth, but she got two good ones. Uh, I got two good ones too. So a successful trip. I'm um, just trying to, trying to learn more. Yeah. And are you a DC native? I was born in Maryland. Okay. Born in Columbia, Maryland, but I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess, I mean, I've lived in Northern Virginia now most of my life. So. Right. How do you take your chili? Uh, or your spaghetti, I should say. Spaghetti. Chili, spaghetti? I mean, not too spicy. One, two, three way? No, no, no. Mm. I don't, I'm, I'm from Columbus, not to say. Okay. So, yeah, We're so. in Seabus. Uh, Dublin, Ohio. I know Dublin. They fly shop right there. Oh, yeah. How are you to Dublin? Oh, my ex-wife is from Columbus. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I used to go up to Dublin a lot. Yeah. Red River Outfitters. Shout out, guys. That's where I went to. The, uh, they have good videos online. So. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan's doing a good job with that. Um, yeah, no, the uh, Dublin, Dublin, I uh, went there for my uh, middle school, high school, um, and a big Buckeyes fan as a result. Yeah, I just kind of ended that. And you end your marriage, and you've been following a team for 20 years, and no sense in following <laughs> Sorry about that. Where are you from originally? Reston. Okay. And I've been here my whole life. Okay, okay. But this is my first time really fishing this stream. Okay. Is it, yeah, I'm surprised more people don't know about it. I mean, maybe it should, it should keep it that way, but I don't know, but... Uh, nice spot i wish we had something like this in fairfax yeah that'd be nice like if mossy creek was closer something like that i'd be a very happy well, man. people could keep claiming there's a creek near leesburg that's supposed to have like a uh 
yeah could have wild uh, limestone branch maybe yeah, yeah i like think it's all or something like that like it's all private yeah but it's something like develop one of those things or something like that yeah i fished it once like 25 years ago yeah it seemed to be more near virginia near, more near dc so yeah tough all right well i'm gonna move upstream all right don't be a stranger you know how to find me yes definitely found you right yeah. on i'll did message you on instagram yeah did you get anything on those cicadas uh, well, I think I fished it too late. I got them a little too late, like right. towards the end of the run. They still work for like largemouth throughout the year. Okay. I catch smallies on them. Do you catch them on, on Akatik or do you use them on Akatik at all? Uh, where did I use I used them on the Patuxent and I was floating with my friend in, okay. in August and okay. I was catching smallmouth left and right. Okay. I don't know what it is. Do you ever do Patapsco up there if you do that one in Maryland? Maybe that was it, Patapsco or Patuxent? Yeah. They're close to each other. They're both Yeah. Smallmouth and snakeheads all mixed in. Okay. It's pretty cool. 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 Yeah, we'll talk about that at beer tie. All right, sounds good. All right, man. All right, pleasure to meet you. We talked about Angus Phillips in 71's articles in the 80s, 90s. Let's go modern. In 04, approximately one mile of Beaver Creek, formerly under the control of the Antietam fly anglers, was established as a catch and return fly fishing only area open to people like you and me. That's the public. The area extends, and you're going to need your topo maps for this, from the mouth of Black Rock Road Creek downstream to the upper boundary of the Perini property, approximately 161 meters above Beaver Creek Road. The special regulation area is entirely on private property. This area is now managed for wild trout due to favorite year-round water temperatures and some natural reproduction of brown trout. The SVTU contributes to the Beaver Creek projects. Starting in 04, SVTU has been actively involved in helping with the Beaver Creek Restoration Project. During this time, their chapters purchased trees, provided funds, and volunteered hours of labor to help with the restoration efforts. If you're going to go to fish somewhere like Beaver Creek, you got to know where private and public water starts and stops, where you can keep walking and where you can't. You need to know what the signs say, and you need to respect them. Otherwise, it's going to be closed. This is public fishing access on private property. There's also a sheets nearby if you need to get some food, avoid the sandwiches. And there's also a nice clean bathroom there. If it's cold, you can go warm up with a cup of coffee. If it's cold, you need to go get yourself a, a schmiskit. If it's hot out, you can go in there and get yourself a nice ice cold Coke from the fountain, a nice big one with just a little bit of ice in it. So the stream is right there, and you have a fly shop as well. So you've got Precision Fly Fishing is right off the interstate, and you can call them, and you can ask them questions about where you can park, where you can't park, where you can fish, where you can't fish, where you can look at the resources like I just mentioned. But again, Switch Fisher is going to give you the maps, and he's going to give you where you can and can't fish for pretty much everything around the DMV. All right, now it's 11 o'clock. Preston and I got into some fish. We found a hole with a bunch of smaller brown trout, we believe, because we have no idea with this light. It's cloudy out and the water's dark. There was one fish that was feeding on the bottom, turning it side to side, flashing its scales. Was not really going after Preston's offerings. They definitely did not want a bacon fly. We worked that for a couple minutes and then moved our way up towards the shop. I was hoping to bump into Mike Heck. If you ever come out here, there is this sycamore tree that is three trees in one and it looks like some kind of giant three-headed dragon from Harry Potter. It is 
It's a massive tree. I mean, you could build a house up there like Tarzan. Anyway, we found a couple more deeper holes on the way up. You know when there's a fishable spot because there's a well-worn path down to the water. This spot would be great right here. It's moving a little faster. It's full of crest and some other flowering underwater aquatic plants. But as Preston said, it's just not deep. There's not a lot of water right now. Fewer places to hide. So you'd think that the spots we are fishing, therefore would have a congregation of fish seeking refuge in deeper water. Not the case. We got up to one deep hole. I threw the bacon fly through. Oh, I bit my car. And one fish about 10, 12 inches, brown most likely, came out, took a swipe at the fly, missed it, went back. And then we went up to the shop. There's a big hole behind it. You can tell because there's all sorts of flies and giant weighted hooks in the tree. And we fished that hole for a couple minutes. I put on a pheasant tail jig nymph, dredged it through. The bait fish in there were showing interest, but that was it. So I'm back at the Xterra now. And my plan is I'm gonna go over the mountain and go see if I can catch myself some trout up in the mountains. And then I'm gonna need a sandwich. It's all yours now. How'd you get here? That way? That way. I came for, like for you from the shop. Yeah, I just saw you in the shop. Yeah, you did it with your mask off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some fish holding right here. Yeah. Not really much downstream, but it's pretty. What's the time of year? Yeah. Are you from around here? Northern Virginia. Gotcha. You fish different streams. I'm up from Connecticut. So oh. Like bigger rivers. Yeah, fantastic. You're not at the Edison show? What? How come you're not at the Edison show this weekend? Yeah, you need to come back down with the shatter running. That's what I should do. Yeah, late April. Have you fished here all year round? It's my first time. Oh, that's right, you told me. Yeah, the midges just started coming off. So I don't know if that's going to help, but there's like five or six good deep holes. Yeah, we'll get my ass out a bit. Yeah, look at that, South Carolina plates, and you're from Connecticut. It's wild, but yeah, it's, it's pretty out there today. Oh, big fishing pretty good. Yeah, all right. Fun. Well, good luck. Thank you. From there, got in my car, turned on my GPS, drank a little bit of Gatorade, and I drove over the mountain to go fish Big Honey Creek. I think we're going to save that for a second episode because, frankly, I got you for 45 plus minutes right now, and that's just good enough time in case you are somebody like Jonathan. Jonathan's got a gift certificate to fish with me soon, and he needs to learn a lot but he might not have enough time to sit there for a two-hour episode. So we're going to cut this, and I'm going to catch up with you a little bit higher in elevation in Maryland. Thanks for listening. Jason, do your thing. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. 